the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Have you ever thought, well, you know, the beast is probably some atheistic power that will rise at the end of time that will get Christians, you know, to bow their knee and say, I worship nothing. I mean, you can see a lot of these fly-by-night films that are trying to say that, but that's not what the Bible is teaching. That's Pastor Michael Oxentanko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Stay tuned at the end of today's broadcast. I'll have information on how you can attend the worship service in person if you would like. You can also attend anytime online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Previous messages are archived there along with the actual live broadcast at the time it happens. And we hope that you'll join us. Again, remember that phone number. It's 888-244-HOPE. Let's continue with the conclusion to the 666 Fix. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Rome transitioned from a monarchy ruled by a single emperor to a divided culture a division of, of lands had been subdued by the Roman Empire with separate kings, but the essential culture and context of Rome was preserved in the Middle Ages. So Jay Berry will say it transitioned to a divided kingdom. And that's profoundly important here because when Rome fell, we have immediately about ten kings in place who are ruling in the vacuum of the fallen Roman emperors. Now, heads, as I've said, represent major kingdoms, so the horns represent minor kingdoms. Now, look at uh, characteristic number three. The horns have crowns because the nations of Europe during the Middle Ages were ruled by kings. Now, is Europe today ruled by monarchies, yes or no? Not essentially, no. Puppet monarchies, but they don't count. Real kings who rule are gone from Europe. World War I is the transition from the historical monarchies to the modern states that function without kings. That means this beast in Revelation 13 with ten horns is a medieval beast that followed the ancient Roman Empire. Characteristic number four, the beast is a medieval kingdom that commanded worship. And the key word is worship. That means the beast was a union of political kingdoms during the Middle Ages under a false religious system that exerted great power in Europe so that the world worshipped the beast. Look, Revelation 13.4, let's just look at that together here. It says, Men worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? Now, it's interesting. God gave all authority to Jesus Christ when he ascended to heaven. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That means the dragon functions as the father in relationship to the beast, which is pictured as the dragon's son. So it is a false son of God power. 
So the beast is not an atheistic beast here. How many of you ever thought, well, you know, the beast is probably some atheistic power that will rise at the end of time that will get Christians, you know, to bow their knee and say, I worship nothing. You ever hear that view out there? I mean, you can see a lot of these fly-by-night films that are trying to say that, but that's not what the Bible is teaching. This beast is a religio-political beast that is in the business of making money, prospering, and, and focusing its power on the advancement of religion and worship. It's not a secular beast. It is a religious beast. Characteristic number five, the beast is allotted a lifespan in the book of Revelation of 1,260 days, representing actual years to function as a persecuting religio-political empire. Now, we know what that is. Verse 5, Revelation 13, says the beast was given 42 months. A biblical month is a lunar month, rounded off, of 30 days. 42 times 30. You got the mathematical calculators out there? What is it? 1,260 days. And that's in Revelation 12. We learn that the woman symbolizing the church after the ascension of Jesus Christ is driven by the devil into the wilderness for 1,260 days, representing 1,260 years. The majority of the Middle Ages, the true church, the faithful people of God are being persecuted. They're on the run, just like Israel was when it left Egypt. Christ died at the Passover. Israel left Egypt at the Passover. The church went into the wilderness after the death of Christ at the Passover, just like Israel went into the wilderness after the Passover. And so we see a solid parallel here. This is the time between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ, a large span of over a thousand years when the church is terribly persecuted. And history bears witness that millions of people died in the Middle Ages at the hand of this religio-political power. It's a fact of history. Characteristic number six, it's, the Bible is very clear. In Revelation 13, it says the beast persecuted the saints. It made war on the saints and conquered them. All you have to do is read history, and you will know that this beast exercised butchery in the name of God during the Middle Ages on a scale that is unimaginable. Fifty to two hundred million people wiped off the face of this planet because this power claimed the right to take them and give them final judgment in the name of God. Revelation 13, 7, it was allowed to make war on the saints, to conquer them, and authority was given it over every tribe and people and tongue and nation. The beast claimed universal religious authority. You know, have you ever felt on a Saturday morning when you come to church, it's kind of hard to wake up and get there on time? No, right? Well, sure, don't we work hard in the middle of the week? Dear heart, you should fall on your knees every Saturday morning and thank God you can get up early to come to church on time because for over a thousand years, people were on the run worshiping in caves, worshiping in the wilderness areas of northern Europe to preserve a knowledge of Christ and and to follow the truth as it is in Jesus. What we have today for freedom and prosperity in our country is a tremendous gift of God. And dear heart, the day is coming when you will lose that. And you better, you better hang on to that while you have it and cherish it before God. Characteristic number seven. The first beast was taken into captivity as the lamb-like beast representing the United States of America was coming into existence around the year 1776. Look at verse 10. If anyone is to be taken captive 
To captivity he goes. If anyone slays with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. In the spring of 1798, the French general Berthier marched into Rome and ended the 1260 years of existence of the beast. The power received its seat of authority in the spring of 538. And in the spring of 1798, its leader was taken into captivity, fulfilling Revelation 13.10 to the letter, and Bible prophecy has a, has a way mark. Now, the French Revolution is not some, some simple event that we should just kind of like wink at and move on. The French Revolution is one of those milestone events in human history that has changed the world. Before the French Revolution, we lived in a world that was a union of church and state in which a religious orthodoxy ruled and you could not have the freedom to open a Bible and come to terms with the truth for yourself. After the French Revolution, we live in a secular world, which even though that's not good, it has allowed certain freedoms so you, believe it or not, can have the opportunity to worship God. So the the creation of the modern secular state pushed back this era of persecution and gave the church a chance to breathe so the gospel could go to the world. So the French Revolution essentially killed the first beast. The beast went down in 1798. So when America, the lamb-like beast, is coming into existence in 1776, the first beast has already lived and it has died. So it's gone. So the drama of the mark of the beast, dear heart, now hear what I'm saying is the drama that resurrects the first beast with ten horns from the dead at the end of time. Revelation 17, 3. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast which was full of blasphemous names. And it had seven heads and ten horns. Now the woman in Revelation 12 that is pure and bright that you see on the screen there represents that persecuted church of the Middle Ages that was on the run. Notice that the woman in Revelation 17 is a harlot. She is riding a beast. And where is that beast at in the the verse? It is in the wilderness. The church had fled into the wilderness to escape the dragon after the ascension of Jesus Christ. And so we now no longer see a woman who is pure and bright, clothed with God's truth. We see a harlot who is still in the wilderness when Jesus Christ is ready to come because the church has sold its soul to the beast and has forgot its true lover, Jesus Christ. She is wed to the beast with ten horns. Now, I thought the beast was dead, though. Pastor Mike, didn't you say that beast went down in 1798? So what in the world is that beast doing here in Revelation chapter 17? Is that a good question? Voila! Not dead anymore at the end of time. That's what's happening here. That beast is back. Now, let me work that out with you here a little bit. Look at verse 7. But the angel said to me, Why marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was, is not, and is to ascend from the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to behold the beast because it was and is not and is to come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. You say, oh, Pastor Mike, that sounds like gobbledygook. Well, it's not. I want you to focus in. It says it calls for a mind with wisdom. How many of you want to get a PhD in God's things? You want a spiritual degree that says you're wise? Okay, focus in. John marvels because the beast has returned in the context from the dead. 
Now, in the, in the New Testament, when did the disciples marvel? When Jesus Christ did what on Sunday morning? When he returned from the dead. And so this is a resurrected beast we're looking at in Revelation 17. The beast that went down in chapter 13 is back in chapter 17. But a woman, the church, dominates this kingdom at the end of time. It is a return of what operated in the Middle Ages on a far greater and grander scale than you can imagine. Now look at verse 5 of Revelation 1. Here is how the book of Revelation defines Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood dear heart you know why jesus christ is king of kings and lord of lords according to the book of revelation he is king of kings and lord of lords because he died he was buried and he rose from the dead and you are forgiven because of that this beast power is in the business of copying the death the burial and the resurrection of jesus christ it died it was not It lived, it was, it was not, it died, and then it came back. And it has, in that phase of its existence, in the future, it will come to embody what the Bible describes as antichrist. So Jesus rules the earth because he is the resurrected Lord. The beast will try to rule the earth as a resurrected beast. Revelation 1.8, God and Christ says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Notice that the beast was, is not, and it's coming. It's very similar to the language used for God. Christ's divine nature, dear heart, at the cross did not die, but his human nature did. So Christ is the one who was, is, and is coming from his divine perspective. But from his human perspective, he was, then he was not, then he came back. And so this beast here is copying the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 17 of Revelation 1. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and of Hades. So let's process this. The first beast, that ten-horned beast, copies the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That makes it Antichrist. So here's the question. How does the beast come back to life? How does it do it? In Revelation 13, the lamb-like beast is pictured resurrecting the ten-horned first beast from the dead in the mark of the beast struggle. It comes to life when the mark of the beast is instituted in the United States of America. Turn to Revelation 13, verse 15. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast should even speak And it caused those who would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead. So in other words, just like God breathed into Adam the breath of life, the lamb-like beast, acting as a supernatural prophet, will breathe into the image the breath of life and will cause the beast to come alive. It will return from its political wound in 1798 to dominate geo-religio politics in the world. Now the Bible says here there's an image to the beast. In Colossians 1, 15, the Bible is very clear that Christ is the image of the invisible God. This image is anti-Christ. Verse 18, he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. 
Christ was designated Son of God in the resurrection, according to Romans 1. The beast will designate itself as Son of God, as a counterfeit Christ, because it has returned from its political wound at the end of time. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Now in Revelation 13, 16, the Bible says, The lamb-like beast causes the inhabitants of the earth to receive a mark on the forehead or in their hand. Now, in Deuteronomy 4.13, the Bible is very clear that the Ten Commandments was given to Israel. It's called the Ten Words. All right, Deuteronomy 4.13. He declared you the Ten Commandments on, on tables of stone. Now, where do those Ten Words go? According to Deuteronomy 6.6, they go on your heart. But then in Deuteronomy 6.8, it says you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand and as frontlets between your eyes. Where do they go? It goes on your forehead and in your hand. So God's law goes where the mark of the beast ends up. The mark of the beast is an attack upon the moral law of God. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Today's broadcast is a part of the Genesis series, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's continue now. Here once again, Pastor Michael Oxentenko. So Revelation 13, 16, the mark of the beast goes on the forehead and the hand of the worshipers of the beast. It goes where God's law should go. In Revelation 13, 16, the text says he causes people to receive a mark. Now, how does a kingdom cause something to happen? It writes a law. It creates a piece of legislation. And then it happens. This beast causes, it forces the earth to disobey God's law. Now, in the context of Revelation 13, the first four commandments come under attack in the mark of the beast issue. Now, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to do a little Bible quiz for you here today. Commandment number one, what is it? You shall what? Have no other gods before me. Now look at Revelation 13, verse 12. It's, the Bible says it exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. And so we see the first commandment under attack. Commandment number two, you shall not make unto you any graven image. Look at verse 14, Revelation 13. And by the signs which it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, bidding them make an image for the beast. Now what's commandment number three? You shall not, what? Take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Revelation thirteen seventeen, So that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. And finally, what is the fourth commandment? The first Four commandments have everything to do with your relationship with God. What is commandment number four? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And what day is it according to that? The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. Now look at Exodus 31, 13. The Sabbath, unlike the others, has a specific function in the middle of God's law. You shall keep my Sabbath. What does the Bible say? For this is a sign. Or, or you could say a mark. It's God's mark and His law of what? It says here, it says it is a sign throughout your generations that you may know 
that I, the Lord, sanctify. You see, the Sabbath, dear heart, is God's way of bringing the truth and making it experiential in your life. It is a sign that God is God and we have a relationship with Him. In Revelation 13, verse 17, we have the mark instead of the sign. In Revelation 13, 17, the Greek clearly equates the mark of the beast with the name of the beast. It says, in fact, the name is the mark. The mark is an attack on the fourth commandment because the fourth commandment is closely tied to God's name. Now, where do we see the Sabbath for the first time in the Bible? Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. You'd never guess by my intonation. What? Genesis 2, right? Verses 1 to 3. And God finished all his works on the seventh day and rested. He blessed the seventh day. He hallowed it. He sanctified it because he finished all his work. And then in verse 4, have you read what comes right after verse 3? It talks about for the first time in the Bible, we have the divine name Yahweh given. The name of the Lord appears immediately following the giving of the Sabbath. God's name and God's Sabbath are integrally related in the book of Genesis. That's why in Psalms 92.1, the psalm for the Sabbath, David will say a song for the Sabbath. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to thy name, O Most High. Isaiah 56.6 says that honoring God's name and keeping the Sabbath are the same thing. Look at this. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord, to be His servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it holds fast my covenant, I will bring to my holy mound and make them joyful my house of prayer. Notice that honoring God's name and keeping the Sabbath are the same thing as far as Isaiah is concerned. According to the Bible, if you keep the fourth commandment, with a Savior in mind, understanding the meaning of God's name, you honor God's name. The sign of God in the fourth commandment is equated with the name of the Lord. Now, the context in Revelation 13 indicates that the mark of the beast will be a counterfeit fourth commandment enforced by law at the end of the time, and it too is equated not with the name of the Lord, but the name of the beast. So a direct parallel exists. And look at verse 17. Of Revelation 13, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. So the mark equals the name, which equals the number of the beast. That's biblical mathematics. So the question arises, what is the mark of the beast? We should probably now have our closing prayer and forget telling you, right? The key is the number. And I'm not going to give you an answer you think you already know. Well, you may not know. So hang on. Revelation 13, 18. This calls for wisdom let him who has understanding reckon the number of the beast for it is the number of a man literally in the greek the number of a man its number is 666 and you get your little pie charts out or whatever you take those letters and you go through what you think it is you say 666 william j clinton is 666 did you know that ah all the republicans say amen but then the democrats will be quick to point out ronald wilson reagan six letters in each ah the antichrist and you, did you realize on June 6, 2006, there are websites saying George Bush is the Antichrist for whatever reason? You see, anybody can come up with stuff like that. Amen. Good Democrat there. Well, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. Okay, the Greek word translated reckon can mean to count or to figure out. And dear hearts, it does not mean count here. It means to figure out. It is not an accident that the numerical value of the Greek word therion, translated beast, in the Hebrew is 666. The beast itself is 666. But you will notice that John explicitly says that it is the number of a man's name. 
There's only one name in the Old Testament directly connected to number 666. The day before, June 5, 2006, I was working at my computer late into the morning. I entered this phrase in the Greek with the case endings intact. And I went for a search in the Septuagint Old Testament. And I found there's only one hit in the Hebrew Old Testament that exactly matches the phrase 666 in the Greek New Testament. And it is Ezra 2.13. And there is a name right beside the number 666. You want to know what it is? Turn your Bibles to it quickly. The sons of Adonikam, 666. Dear heart, Adonikam is the name of the beast. Adonikam is the name that matches the number of the beast. And you say, well, so what, Pastor Mike? What does Adonikam mean? Well, I'm going to tell you. The fourth commandment is connected to God's name in the Bible. The mark is equal to the beast's name and number. And the number of the beast is the number of a man in the Old Testament whose name describes what the beast is about. It's somehow connected to his misuse of the fourth commandment. Adonikim is a Hebrew sentence. Just Adonai in the Hebrew means my Lord. So the first part of that word means my Lord. The K-A-M comes from the hollow verb kum which means to arise. It is a cal-perfect third masculine singular verb derived from kum, and it means he has risen. You put it together, here's what it means. My Lord has risen, 666. Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. The beast will arise from the dead in the mark of the beast struggle, just as Jesus arose from the dead. The beast will counterfeit the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in every way. Adonikam 666. And as the disciples marvel when Christ appeared on Sunday, in exactly the same way, the whole world will wonder after the beast who was, is not, and is coming. That will conclude the message entitled The 666 Fix. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. It's part of the Genesis series, The 666 Fix. You can visit us at the church for the worship service every Saturday at 11 o'clock. We'd love to have you there. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland. 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. Reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. Reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart.